Hey, Brett, how's it going this week? Good, Ange. How are you? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance. And we embarrass Brett by asking him a trivia question every week. Yeah. Let's, I mean, 101. There's always time to start over. Yeah. Well, you know, the listeners love it. It's actually everyone's favorite part of the episode, so we can't cut it out now. Uh, maybe we should rethink our format. <laughs> so... For the average first-time home buyer, how long do they stay in their first house? Three years. Eleven and a half years. Who are these people? I know no one that is like staying in their house at least to ten years. It, like is unheard of now. Yeah, well, it's definitely not us. We're really bringing that average down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess a lot of the gen. Let's say baby boomer generation, not even... I think Gen X is the one that I'm thinking of that moves around more frequently than not. But like my parents' generation, right, which is baby boomer, they they have been in their house for a long time. They've moved once in my lifetime. So well, but they, even your that. parents weren't that long in... Well, like, even their first house, though, they weren't that long in it, right? Because they had like a brief stint in another state. Well, I was born there, so 16 years. That wasn't their first house. No, it wasn't their first house. They moved Yeah, I'm saying times. the f- yeah. first house. First house that people buy, they stay in for 11 oh, and a half years. That's why I got it wrong. No. First houses, usually people get in and they're like, oh, this is my forever home, and then I hate it, and then they move out quicker. Well, I think a lot of people buy a starter home, and then they just like end up delaying the next purchase, which is a good thing. Yeah. That's financially pretty smart, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, it's not us, and so we... Uh, had a podcast, you know, about six, seven months ago where we talked about moving to Florida, and then now we have one talking about moving back to Chicago. So <laughs> hopefully... Always will... do as we say, not as we do. Yes. Hopefully we will be in Chicago for a while now. We knew Orlando wasn't a permanent move. We knew it was a temporary thing. And so now we are back in the Midwest. We are very excited to be here. And we ended up buying a place, even though... As Brett said, do as we say, not as we do, because we we were like, yeah, we're going to rent for a while. Here we are. So we actually, this podcast, we wanted to actually just kind of walk through our thought process the last couple months in hopes that if somebody else is in a similar boat where maybe you're moving soon or, you know, something along those lines, maybe this will help you. Um, or furthermore, maybe even if you're not moving soon, it just gives you a glimpse into our madness, which I'm sure will make for an entertaining episode, if nothing else. That's right. Yeah. So we didn't expect to be in the situation we're in now. So, right, we made a lot of different decisions along the way, but, you know, we're really happy with the way it ended up. Yeah. So, Brett, when we first talked about moving back to Chicago, and we were renting in Orlando, luckily, mm-hmm. <laughs> or intentionally, maybe. Intentionally, for sure. Um, we were renting there, and we really thought we were going to rent here in Chicago. So we right, and the reason to do that is you get a lay of the land. You're not as financial, or you're not as uh, familiar with the real estate market in the first place in order to make an accurate buying decision. Right, there's a lot of a lot of reasons you want to kind of get the lay of the land, you know, what neighborhood do you want to be a part of, especially in Chicago, because all the neighborhoods are very different uh, and have different, you know, you know, things that you cater to, restaurants and personalities. Yeah, a lot of personalities. So, right, making sure you're in the right spot and you're not just like buying and be like, oh, I wish I was like two miles away, right? 
Uh, yeah. And now you're in a situation where you're trying to get rid of, get out of your house and then move into another location. Well, and beyond that, we've talked about the implications of buying, and it's definitely much more of a financial commitment. It can be very expensive. And even the rent versus buy calculators don't always take into account the maintenance costs that you'll have to pay yourself because you own the place. And that trusty landlord, when the toilet breaks, isn't going to come fix it for you. Mm-hmm. So we've we've kind of laid all that out, and we were... So we were going to look at renting, but an interesting thing, when we decided to move to Chicago, a lot of people would pick a neighborhood and then say, this is how much it costs me to rent the place that I want. And Brett and I, when we move anywhere or when we think about buying any house, we say, this is the monthly payment we want. And then we have to figure out how to get something that fits our needs that stays in our budget. Right. Um, which is a really interesting thing to do in Chicago where rent prices could be as high as you want them to be, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and definitely can only fall so low. So we actually lived in Chicago about six or seven years ago, and we lived um, kind of up in the Lakeview area. And we looked at moving back there, and rent prices had gone up about 50% from when we moved and we were kind of shocked by that, and we were like, mm, we don't want to pay that much money. Yeah, because, I mean, the prices we were looking in the price ranges we thought we needed to be in before coming back to the city, you know, every place was just, like, not where we wanted to be. Right? It was pretty bottom of the barrel. Um, you know, you're not going to get a lot for your money. And right, it was just offensively high prices for those conditions. Yeah, so then we expanded our search to other neighborhoods, and we were finding that just... Chicago land in general, rent prices had gone up. Now I will say we have a lovely 60 pound dog that you probably hear clanking around in the background of our episodes occasionally. And that was definitely not helping us any because by turning that, you know, dogs allowed switch on, I noticed that we weren't able to be as flexible as maybe we could have been without a dog. Um, And then we did have a list of must-haves. So Brett really was pushing to live in a studio, and I was really (laughs) pushing against that. Wow. We just, I mean, the dog really wanted the bed to be right next to the kitchen so she could see what was going on, and we spent most of the time in the kitchen. So it just made sense. Yes. But I kind of vetoed that one, so I said at least one bedroom, maybe two, and we came up and we looked at a whole slew of places And actually, the best place we found, the place that we would have moved into had we decided to not buy, was going to be in, like, the basement of a building that clearly this place had active water damage when we went to look at it. Right. They had the concrete floor ripped up, and they were laying a new pipe or replacing a pipe um, that had, I guess, frozen over the winter, maybe. Right. um, And was leaking into 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 that room, so... And we, we saw from the way that they were patching it also that they were not doing any kind of, like, water remediation. Um, and that water had been there for probably months. And yes. so definitely, definitely was going to have mold issues within the next, like, two months. Yeah, and that was the best place we found. That was the so. best. Yeah, it was the nicest, you know, layout-wise and best, you know, features. And, like, the kitchen was really nice. but uh, And the price was pretty good. Location was good, but uh, yeah, we don't want to really live in that situation. Yeah, so instead, we, I was like, hey, what happened if we were to buy? And we actually found a unit for sale in the building that Brett used to live in, 
And it was basically priced the same as when we left the city. And so we were like, wait, 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 we can time travel and get like 2013 prices if we buy, but if we rent, we have to get 2019 prices. So that sucks. And maybe we should think about buying. So for the same price, including like property taxes, PITI, all of that good stuff, um, we were able to buy like a nice two bedroom that included a parking spot instead of living in a basement that was flooding with no parking spot. So I think we did well for Mm -hmm. ourselves. Um, And I think that's why we always encourage you to run the numbers and to think about it and think about like, you know, can I afford a down payment? That's obviously really important. You know, luckily Brat and I were selling a house in Michigan. So we had a down payment that we could put down on this place. And, you know, we just found our money went a lot further if we were willing to buy. Um, And we also had to have the conversation of how long are we going to stay in this place? Because if we are only going to be here for a couple of years, then we should probably rethink this strategy. And for us, the answer was, we are very happy here. We've lived in Chicago before, and we know we can make this a permanent home for a while. Um, And that's important, too, because if you're only going to live somewhere for a year or two, it is probably not a good decision to buy because with all the closing costs when you buy and sell that can quickly eat up your equity that you worked so hard to get for that property Mm -hmm. so i mean there's a couple other things to consider as well though so we wanted to you know we really like the condition of this space um you can target your area a little bit more rather than like having to be at the mercy a little bit of you know, trying to find a good deal. I mean, you're trying to find a good deal with a house also, but when the market is just a better situation for buyers um, or renters, either one, then you're just a little bit, you have a little bit more power in that situation, Mm -hmm. right? And so this was a little bit more of a buyer's market for home purchases, uh, condo purchases, whatever, right? Single family homes here in Chicago is a different market completely because those are astronomically more expensive to have like a yard and, uh, you know, bigger house and all that stuff in the city. Um, but condo living, right, is a, is a separate market because just there's so many of them, right? Um, it's kind of it kind of has a life of its own again. Then versus renting, so you know we you know we, we like having the power in those kind of a situa- in those kind of situations and right. So we get to pinpoint the exact location we wanted to be in within like you know literally one block of where we wanted to be, um, and. You know, there's, you know, great things in this neighborhood and the places we were renting at. I mean, we're looking at a, you know, five, six block span and, you know, you get what you get in that space, right? One of these is going to be the the best of those options. Um, But yeah, so for us, what was really important was to um, being in a city living by a grocery store is like. It's the real win of the century um, because we walk to get our groceries most of the time. So it's amazing how when you're looking at apartments, you're like, oh, well, this one's only an extra, you know, five minutes away than another property. But when it's zero degrees outside in the middle of winter and you're freezing to death, um, (laughs) that five minutes makes a big difference. So we, we made a list, actually, and we mapped it on Google. So some of the things on our list were we wanted to be by a grocery store, we wanted to be close to public transportation options, and we wanted to be by a library. 
And so by kind of mapping those things, we could kind of make little circles on our map and say, yes, this property falls in a range that covers all of those three things that are on our must-have list, or no, this property falls outside that range and, you know, maybe it's a good property, but it's just not the right one for us. Right. And then we picked one that didn't fit into that criteria. I guess it did. Um, so yeah, that was a good way for us to do it. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is, so this is the second condo we've owned, but the first one we've lived in. And when you are looking at a condo, whether it's for a rental or living in it, something we definitely wanted to make sure we had a good understanding of before we bought into it was the HOA. Um, we wanted to know what that fee was. We wanted to know what it included. And we wanted to know how well our HOA organization was funded to make sure like, do they have enough money in reserves to kind of cover all of their annual expenses or are they going to be hitting us with like a special assessment here soon? Um, so we definitely reviewed the finances of the HOA as well before we you know, committed to buying the property. Right, and usually you can't find that out necessarily until after you've submitted an offer um, because they once you submit an offer, they have to provide you with the paperwork from the association that has all that information, right? Like their financials, um, to see like how much money they currently are holding and what you know what were some of the expenses over the last year, like the last year's financial report and stuff like that. So when did they replace like the boiler in the building or uh, utilities? What are normal utility expenses? And so you can get a just by looking at that very very quickly, you can get a, kind of a good idea of. Are these people spending money on the place, or are they, you know, or are they just not not pocketing it? I guess because it doesn't go into any person's bank account. Um, but are they not reinvesting in the property itself, so it's not being maintained? And then, right, if you see it isn't being maintained, then you know probably in the next couple of years, all of a sudden they're going to spike up when they realize, oh no, we need to replace the roof for fifty thousand dollars, or oh no, we need to replace the boiler for minimum $20,000, right? Well, and another thing that we've kind of learned by living and owning in, in, with an HOA before is it's good to look at like how many of the units are owner-occupied mm-hmm. because a lot of times if you have more owners, typically people who live there care more about maintaining it well. Um, but another thing to keep in mind is to look at how many people are actually paying their HOA fee, (laughs) whether it's owner-occupied or not, some people just don't like to pay it. So, you know, kind of on the balance sheet, you can see accounts receivable or accounts uncollected. And essentially that's how many people still owe their, their dues for the month or year or whatever. And it's important to look at that number because we had a problem with that in our previous association. And so then they would charge a special assessment. Um, They did this one time to build new carports and we like paid our fee. And it was like two years later, they hadn't even started upgrading the carports yet because they were like, well, we haven't gotten all the money. And I was like, well, I already already paid for this. And these carports are like literally falling to pieces. Um, so it can be, you want to make sure that you have like a good group of people and the HOA is, you know, well stocked and is hounding people to get their money if they need to. Right. I mean, I'm, I am all about like corporate punishment in that regard, right? Like <laughs> if you're not paying your dues, this says right in like the, uh, the association guidelines that you have to follow that they, you know, you have like this amount of time and if you don't pay for it, then they can pursue like legal action against you and basically take your property back, right? right? It's no different than if you don't pay your taxes. 
um, and the government comes and takes your property back. It doesn't matter whether you paid your house off or not, or the bank come, can, can come take your house back if because they technically own it until you pay off your mortgage, right? So you never really truly own anything, right? Um, right. When it comes to property, so a condo is no different. Like you, you're at the mercy kind of 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 it, those HOA dues, and those are there for a reason. They're a good thing to have, right? It's no different than paying taxes or whatever. You get benefits for living in that space, and right, that it's full service. But right, if you're not paying for that stuff, you want the association to like be enforcing that stuff because if you're the good citizen, right, that plays by the rules, and like another. 20% of the building doesn't and there's no repercussions, then guess who's going to be on the end of that stick, right? Right. Um, so you, you don't want to get into that situation if you don't want to, um, but you want to have a board that's willing to like enforce those rules at the same time. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I think that covered kind of our rent versus buy scenario and for this situation. Um, that was just the first uh, week we were investigating properties. So next, you know, that was the first 10% of the journey. Do you have more to add about it? No, I mean we're I mean, moving on from the from the whole the whole roadmap here. Yeah. Oh right. So then yeah. So then we decided you know we we're buying this place, but our closing date was going to be, the you know maybe like the eighth of June we'll say it was somewhere around there, but we needed to be out of our place. Well, we had a decision to make. We could stay in Orlando through the end of May and have kind of a week gap to fill. Or we could stay through the end of June, but then we had to pay a whole additional month of rent. Right. And so when we were looking at this, we started the discussion of, should we just hire movers instead of doing it ourselves? So we mentioned our last move when we went from Michigan to Orlando. It cost us between $1,500 and $2,000 to make that move. And we did it ourselves. Um, my, you know, my dad helped us out, drove the truck, but otherwise we, we did it ourselves. We didn't hire, I guess, anybody else to do it. Yeah. And so this time we got a quote from a professional, and it was essentially the same as taking that same money that we paid the first time plus one month of rent. So we were like, for the same price or even just a little bit less, we can be out of here. We can get our you know security deposit back. We don't have to pay on two places and um, just kind of be done with it. So we opted to do that. And one of the benefits from hiring movers is they stored our stuff for that additional 10 days that we didn't, we were essentially kind of homeless, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have any stuff. We didn't, you know, it was all loaded into somebody else's truck somewhere uh, moving across the country. We didn't have anywhere to live. So yeah, we were staying out of a hotel. Luckily I was at work still traveling for work. So we got the hotel for free. So that was Another factor that went into our decision there was like, you know, when you're doing this, where are you going to go? If you're going to pay for a hotel for three weeks, then maybe it's not worth it, right? Right. Um, but we were able to stay on my company's expense, not on our own. During the week and then on weekends, we were like, this is a great time to visit friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we crashed on some some couches for, for two weekends, I think. Yeah. Yep. Which was, it, it worked out well for us. And, you know, it was also just kind of nice because... That way it was done and we weren't like, you know, because another factor we had to consider was we needed to be physically up here for the closing. So if we still had the place in Orlando, it would have been a little bit more back and forth for us, whether that was flights or cars or whatever, which would have been an additional expense as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, it just made a lot more sense to be up here. Uh, You know, the nice thing about being in the Midwest is we did know quite a few people that even if Brett's company wouldn't have paid for the hotel we actually have friends in the area that offered 
you know, their couches or guest rooms to us, which was very nice. And, you know, it's really, we, we would have been able to make it work either way. Um, and it was kind of nice because we also just didn't have the hassle of like driving a big truck up and then getting it into the city. And that would have been terrifying. <laughs> yeah. For people that are not used to that. Yeah. Driving, driving in Chicago's traffic is, um, not great if you're in any of the rush hour scenarios, which is not like you know, anytime after like 9 p.m. it's fine, um, but from like six until like six a.m. until like seven p.m. it's terrible. Um, doing that with like a big moving truck uh, when I don't think those are allowed to drive like on Lakeshore Drive either, which is like the easiest way to get up and down throughout the city, right? Quickly, yeah. so you'd have to take all the city streets, which even more fun. Michigan Avenue, baby, <laughs> right? Uh, shopping central yeah so we we were kind of happy with our decision but also when you hire movers ask a lot of questions and pack really really well i think is the lessons i learned yeah so i mean you can you can opt for the service that they offer to pack your stuff which i'm sure i mean we didn't even consider that i'm sure that is like exorbitantly more expensive right we did like the cheap bare bones right we just had them like all of our stuff was packed up in boxes or like some stuff that doesn't fit in boxes they just kind of like it's like loose items they just kind of like throw those into a big giant bin and then they just transport the bin which is a good way to do it because they have that stuff um but professional movers i would say are regular movers that don't care about your stuff and are just trying to move it as fast and as economically for them as possible just with better marketing yes um and their marketing includes don't use any of the smaller people because you know they're unreliable but you know from using one of the i mean i we use probably you know there's probably three big names i guess we use one of those big three names in moving was the first one that i thought of from being marketed to forever for large moving companies and that's the one we ended up going with. And, like, I think somebody that I would have found on Craigslist probably could have taken better care of our stuff. So we used to watch Shipping Wars. And if anybody <laughs> watched Shipping Wars, there was this guy on there, Jarrett. And he kind of, like, didn't always do a great job. I would have trusted him far more to do a better job than the company we hired. Right. Because when we got our stuff back and delivered finally... And they actually, they showed up, they gave us a three-week window in which they could have shown up in, right? Which, to me, seems pretty ridiculous. Even for a cross-country move, to not be able to dial in the target a little bit more than that, um, right? Because obviously that's, like, not going to work for us because, like, we have the closing date and, like, it needs to be in a certain window. And, like, we can't just, like, not have our stuff for, like, a month. And being in a city in a high-rise, we have to rent the elevator, we have to... Oh, right, reserve yeah. it the coordination like, of yeah their elevator like yeah we have to talk to other people we have to get the insurance from the moving company and schedule that and they have to show up in a certain time window too not only on a certain day like so we have to and we have to like schedule that a week in advance like we need to know like a lot of information luckily the building we moved into is like pretty flexible about that because i had worked with them this management company before somewhere else so uh we got pretty lucky and i knew that they were pretty pretty forgiving um but I'm sure this happens all the time too, where right. people just like are at the mercy of like people that have their stuff and whatever. So um, they, they all kind of have to make it work together. But um, but when we ended up getting our stuff, right? They finally delivered it. They were 
two hours late from when I told them we had scheduled the elevator and we only had it for three hours and any I think it's whatever 30 minutes every 30 minutes that was 50 was like 50 dollars extra to like rent the elevator luckily nobody else had we did it in the morning and nobody else had rented it in the afternoon so we you know we we got away with it a little bit but um right but I mean it was just very unprofessional for that the stuff that they delivered was our boxes fell over, it looked like. It looked like every single one of the boxes that we had packed, like, you know, cardboard boxes that we got at, like, Home Depot or whatever. Look, they had punctures in them. They had, like, torn sides. Um, like, the cardboard was shredded on the outside. It just looked like the whole truck just, like, stopped suddenly, and a huge stack of boxes just went tumbling through the vehicle. Well, my personal favorite was we packed a bunch of stuff in, like, Rubbermaid tubs. Rubbermaid tubs that we have used to move from Chicago to Michigan around in Michigan in different houses, Michigan to Orlando. So these boxes have held up ten, every 10 move. years, I think we've had these. And yeah. so we pack them just like we always do. And the several lids were broken in half. And we were like, hey, what happened? And the guy was like, well, those aren't moving containers. They are storage containers. They're not meant to be stacked like this. And I was like, literally every single person in the world stacks Rubbermaid tubs on top of each other. That's as far as I know. That's their like core design feature, it's like the ability yeah. to stack them with heavy crap in, inside. So. So yeah, we. Yeah, they were, to all, make they were long, all caved in. Yeah, to crazy. make a long story short, we had a lot of stuff damaged, and then the cherry on the cake was like everything is damaged. We're frustrated, and we're like, what is this box in the corner? And. They, like, promise you that your stuff is, like, sectioned off so nothing commingles. And I'm like, I didn't really have that color tape. So I go to open it, and there's this, like, scary voodoo towel right on top of the box. And it is, like, totally not our stuff. And it took them, like, another two weeks to come and get this box from us. Two weeks that I was, like, hounding them. I I think, like, I sent four, four emails in the first week before I... You know, I was like, here's the tracking number of the box. There's got a sticker on it. Great. Here's the color sticker and the number. And, like, you should be able to easily figure out who it belongs to because you know where it came from. And this was, like, two days ago. Um, And, nope. The person just, they asked me four different times for that information. They weren't even passing along on their end. Like, the worst process known to man. And I had to keep hounding them to get it done. Yeah. So, long story short, it was probably very... It was a little bit more cost effective for us to do it this way, but it ended up being just as frustrating as moving ourselves. Just in a different way. But I will say, um, because we've kind of talked about all the negative, the two guys who moved us in that were like from Chicago, they were fantastic. They were quick, they worked really hard, they hauled all this stuff. I'm just calling them out. Like the guy from Florida, he was just like arguing with us. He was rude. He was super unprofessional, and he was like pretty lazy. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to throw that out because I've worked with people in Chicago before when I lived here to help move me in, and I I feel like Chicago movers, you're a whole awesome class of your own, and you like get shit done. So <laughs> thank you because that was like the only thing that made me not want to rip my hair out completely on moving day was like how professional the other two guys were. Right. So. They, yeah, they said they could handle anything. And the other, you know, the Florida guy told me at four different points that he was going to have to call somebody to, like, come back at a later time to, like, do something that he was not able to do. He was going to take our front door off of our condo and leave it off for two weeks. He didn't, well, he he was going to have somebody else come to take it off because he didn't want to take it off. Right. And, and then, then he was going to leave he, it he off wasn't for two put weeks. put it back on. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, who needs a front door? Um, anyways, so 
just a caveat there. If you hire a moving company, ask them a lot of questions and read maybe, reviews. I think read reviews. More. I mean, we asked yeah. some questions, but you know, we didn't go deep into the reviews because we we're like, oh, this is a big, you know, big name company. They do this all the time. Like we're yep. in, we're in like the upper tier of like this process, right? So all the you know kinks have kind of been worked out, and no. you know, not no different than you know picking like Joe regular mover and like I mean they. Yeah, they didn't steal our stuff, I suppose, but yeah. luckily we didn't lose any boxes like that other poor family that uh, we ended up with their stuff. That's true. Um, okay, so then once all of our stuff was delivered, it's like, what do you do now, right? We just have all this shit everywhere, and what we've always done every time we move is we unpack our kitchen first, because that at least allows us to get a fully functioning kitchen which allows us to start cooking at home again, which is always really welcomed after like a few weeks with no kitchen and no cooking supplies. Mm -hmm. And for most people, probably the last thing that they want to do is like unpack boxes for like six hours and then start making dinner. But I mean, we're just those kind of people, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's way easier to get a pizza, but um, especially in Chicago, just like walk out, go go out to dinner or have somebody deliver food real quick. Um, but you know, we just walked over to the grocery store, checked that place out, um, found some good deals and well, and we actually got a CSA. So we had a CSA picked up. We already had some vegetables in the house and we were ready to eat some delicious salad. Another reason we needed to coordinate our move-in date. We needed to start the CSA. This is absolutely essential. We got, we ended up getting the CSA on move-in day or on the day we bought the condo but we didn't move in for two days later so by that point when my kitchen stuff got here i was ready to to start using it right and csa for new listeners is a community supported agriculture it's a farm share that you can set up a kind of an annual or or not annual membership but like semi-annual membership where you get vegetables and fruits and uh, whatever you you agree to for like um six months or something like that and you just pay up front yeah Um, yeah, so, I mean, it helps the farmers because you pay up front, so then when they're buying all their seeds and everything, they have their costs covered, and then instead of, you know, getting any money back, they return your money by giving you the produce once it starts growing. So it's a really cool program. It really helps farmers out, and we've done this for about five years now. Um, we've done several different ones, and we have always been very happy with our experience. So Yeah, it's always been a pretty good value as well. Yeah. Um, from a, co- from a cost perspective and quality of food and, you know, just all around good deal. Um, okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about on this moving episode is we kind of started getting settled. And mind you, we went from a, basically in Michigan, we had a four-bedroom house that we went down to a two-bedroom apartment in Orlando. And then we stayed in a two-bedroom condo in Chicago, but it got a little bit smaller. And the funny thing about all of that is we still have to buy some stuff, which just seems like ridiculous. <laughs> right. Um, After we've gotten rid of so much stuff, right? Right. Every time we transition, we just like keep, it feels like we just unload half of our place. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting by moving into different spaces, like now that we're in a smaller space, we're in about an 850 square foot place. We just need different items because now we really just need storage solutions. Right. So yeah, even after we've gotten rid of so much stuff, just the way that things are laid out, like maybe you don't have as many closets as you did before, or maybe you have more closets than you did before, but less like more open space, right? So, you know, maybe it makes sense that you get some like closet organizers or like storage bins or, uh, right? Because if you're in a four bedroom house with a basement, 
Um, usually, like there's a part of that basement or a large part of that basement that is like scheduled se- sectioned off, and you can put like Rubbermaid tubs up on like shelves and you know because they're they're meant to be stacked. I think um, just not in a moving truck. Uh, big difference there. No, no, don't stack them. Make sure you have shelves between each one. <laughs> right, and uh, right. So that's one way to store a lot of stuff. But like we don't have that square footage anymore for like having like a giant room dedicated to storage bins so now we're moving things out of the storage bins and more into like uh storage you know grids kind of in our like closet section here so yeah just just different solutions um transitioning things from one place to the next just to make things easy to access and i'm not digging through stuff all the time uh, from a huge stack of boxes that are stored in some room in the corner um uh, storage like under the counters um, for like our, you know, our bathroom sink got, uh, it's like, instead of like a two sink vanity, it's like a one sink vanity, right? So we had a lot more space in there before. And so now we need the like, you know, like a shelf inside of our like cupboard and stuff, just like simple stuff like that. Uh, you know, pan solutions in the kitchen because the layout of our cupboards is different. And now we have like a lazy Susan versus like, we have way more cupboards now, I think than we did in the last place. Um, but we lost a pantry, so now, right, we're just transitioning that as well. So right. just just kind of weird scenarios like that. Yeah, so it's a lot of little stuff, odds and ends, but instead of running out and buying kind of everything that we could need, we're making a priority list, and we're just saying, like, here's the things that we really need, like getting, um, you know, that pan organizer. It's just kind of like three metal prongs, but you can slide pans in, and it just helps keep the cupboards cleaner. I mean, that's literally like a $5 thing. And it'll make our life so much better. So that's like pretty high on our list. Um, and then, you know, other things like, you know, my espresso maker because it broke years ago and we just never really replaced it. Um, I guess that's pretty low on the list, which is sad, but <laughs> fair. Um, so, you know, it's just good. To, we, we really did. Um, we moved in. We evaluated everything. We didn't run out and buy literally anything um, except felt. I guess that was like our number one priority was because we have hardwood everywhere. So we bought a yard of felt at like Michael's, the fabric store. And then I hot glued it onto all of our chairs and tables and everything that has little legs. So nothing gets scratched. Right. Because you can go buy like the little like moving pads or whatever. Even the cheap ones at Home Depot are like at least like three or five dollars. And I don't know, we got that like huge amount of felt for like like nothing right yeah it was like four dollars or something right and then she just cut it and like glue it and or you could use like elmer's you know yeah i had a hot glue gun (laughs) with like way too many sticks so uh, that part was like free for us yeah Um, just any kind of adhesive and then you're good to go right yeah and it helps you know just saves your floors so that was something that we did right away but outside of that we just made like this really big list of everything we could think of that we wanted for the space um and even things that maybe we don't want right away but in the future and then it kind of helps us to look at big picture what do we want to get now versus later um i think a lot of people they buy a place and then it's like i want everything right now and they end up racking it up on credit cards Right. And it's really funny because one of the things when we prioritized that list, I think the first thing that I ended up ordering was a gallon of like uh, Frank's hot sauce. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. Priority numero uno. 
Right? Yeah. After you had all that hot chicken and before we left to eat all the things out of our freezer. Uh, well, clearly, since we unpacked the kitchen first, we were ready to use the Franks. Right? So. Yeah. We had our, we had our eggs and you know, chicken and all kinds of stuff ready to go. and just needed some condiments. So, yeah, but, you know, we make this big list, and then instead of putting anything on credit cards, we just kind of wait until we can afford it, you know, as we go, and there's no rush, right? So, um, going back to the stat I said at the beginning of the podcast, the average first-time homebuyer lives in their house for 11 years, and I actually found out that the average regular homebuyer stays in their house for almost 14 years, so even three more years. If you if you just bought your place, you're kind of going to be there for a long time. So, you know, just settle in, get situated, and you have plenty of time to make these purchases and to make the house your own. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Right. Nothing needs to be perfect, like, in the first five seconds you're there. Because everybody, I feel like it's a mad race to get everything show ready, make your house look like it was HGTV staged, and like start having like dinner parties as fast as possible, right? Because you're in a new space, you want to have people over because it's exciting times, right? But, you know, people just understand that like when you move into a new place, it's chaos for like six months. Right. And until like, you know, things will settle out and you'll get things put away and you'll put it in one spot and then you'll hate it there and you'll reorganize stuff again and... You know, that's just kind of the way it is. So. Yeah, what's really great for us is it's summer in Chicago, and our building has a rooftop. rooftop. So when we have people over, we can just show them up there, and they don't even have to come in our <laughs> condo yet. Uh, so we have until winter to get it up to snuff. Right, there's an ice cream parlor, like, down the street, and, yeah, a rooftop deck with grills and, like, lounge chairs and all kinds of nice stuff. So who needs to be in our apartment anyway when it's nice and you're in the city? And yeah. We're, and we're, like two blocks from like Lake Michigan too. So we can go out there and we can watch fireworks and hang out on a nice day, so. Yeah, so we can just really kind of force people to enjoy our neighborhood. And then in the winter, when our house is ready, then we'll be like, yeah, come over for dinner. Right, yeah, because we picked this neighborhood because the neighborhood's awesome, not because the apartment we got here was like the nicest place we could have possibly lived because it's not a four bedroom house in Michigan, right? So right. <laughs> that was a nicer place that we could have lived in. I mean, this is a very nice space. It's just a lot smaller because we want to spend more of our time outside of the apartment. Right. right? And especially um, people from the Midwest can feel my pain. Like, we only get four months of summer if we're lucky. So we got to enjoy it because we're going to be inside with winter for eight months of the year. Right. But then you really enjoy it when it's nice. You do. I say nobody enjoys summer like people from the Midwest. Right. Everybody in L.A. is just like, oh, our weather is so consistently nice all the time. Oh, what a downer. Right. It moves like two degrees in. They're like, oh, my God, it's so hot today. And, oh, my God, it was so cold yesterday. I'm like, yeah, let me tell you about cold. Sorry, stereotypical people from L.A. listening. So we just had to poke fun at you a little bit. Yeah, because we're just jealous, but. It's okay. So, well, anyways, Brett, uh, do you have anything else to add about our move or any kind of remaining tips you want to leave people with? Um, I'd say even if you buy in a new space, just expect there to be, you know, kind of weird things here and there. If it's a new apartment, even if you got an inspection, whatever it was, there's probably going to be stuff that slipped through the cracks and you'll need to fix up at some point. Um, In our case, there was like a leaky faucet and like the drain was backed up a little bit. Um, So a couple little plumbing things that we moved in here, but not a big deal, you know, in the side square footage. um, There could have been a lot of other issues. There could have been like noisy neighbors and like, you know, all kinds of weird problems. But uh, I'd say we were pretty lucky in that regard. But 
don't, yeah. don't be surprised that there's, you know, weird things that pop up. And just to piggyback on what Brett said, um, even if you buy, like, so a lot of people think, well, if I just buy a newer place, I won't have problems. And so they want to buy a new build or a house built within the last 10 years. And we actually have also done that. You know, we've, we've moved a lot, so we've learned a lot. And I guess I just also want to say, like, even if you buy a brand new place, so Brett said, you know, there's always something that remains true. Even if you buy a brand new place that maybe you even built yourself, there's going to be something that once you start living there, you're like, wait, why did we do this? Um, whether it's layout wise or color selection or whatever, um, you're always going to kind of grow with a house. And I guess the key to staying somewhere for 11 to 13 years is to realize, don't be afraid to like slowly save up and fix things and make it your own. Right. And after, you know, living in a variety of aged uh, buildings, right? So we had a, a new house in uh, less than 10 years old. We had a new condo that we were li- or living in in Florida um, that we were renting out of less than 10 years old. Um, we had an older house from, what was it, the 80s? Yep, the or 80s. Late, late 70s, something like that. And then this place, I think, is like 67. 56. 50, oh, even older. And I would put all my money on the older places out of that variety we've lived in. The condo in Florida, while it was newer, it had paper thin walls. It had the worst drywall on the interior. We couldn't even hang stuff on the wall without the wall starting to bow out. It didn't have studs in it. It had like, (laughs) yeah, it was all like aluminum framing or whatever, just to like barely hold stuff together. There was no structural support there for anything that we were trying to put up. The whole floor was crooked. Yeah, every 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 (laughs) surface in that place was crooked for being you know a new build. And you know I expect that of older places too. Nothing's ever like square, right? Right. There's never any like actual like ninety degree corners, Um, but. You know, it was it was bad. It was, it was really bad. Like from one end of the room to the other, you could like see a gradual slope. Yeah. Um, in the living room. Um, and, and then there was like a speed bump in our living right. room. Right. And and the, yeah, paper thin wall, so the neighbors playing music and stuff. Like it was. Or like, even talking. It, it was like in the living room. Yeah, you could hear them like talking all night long. You know, very clearly. It wasn't coming through the vents. It was like coming through the wall. Yeah. Um, and right here in this building from the fifties, everything's like five feet of cement in between everything on the floor surfaces. I never have heard a neighbor yet in here that wasn't coming from like the hallway door. Yeah. Um, and we have in the babies on both sides of us and we never hear them crying. Never hear the babies, never hear the dogs, never hear right? yeah. like, like find, find yourself a place like that. Like right. <laughs> not, not being able to hear your neighbors in, in a community living environment is worth everything. Um, but even homes, uh, kind of to Brett's point, you know, we have a duplex that was built in the seventies and the house we had built in the 80s, like those were really solidly built versus the house that we had that was like tossed up in the last 10 years. Right, that didn't have any insulation in the master bedroom in Michigan in the winter. It was great. Yeah, fun time. <laughs> so, all right, well, we kind of beat this topic to death as we love to do. So thanks for tuning in this week. Um, thank you so much to everyone, again, who entered our 100 episode contest. We are so excited that we're on episode 101 and it's kind of like a fresh, clean slate. So we plan to do 100 more episodes. And if you're lucky, we are going to try to, we're definitely going to be back to our regular Monday schedule. And then if you're really lucky and if our time schedules allow it, we might start ac- adding in some way normal Wednesdays again. Ooh, those are my favorite because I don't have any. Oh, there's still trivia questions in those too, aren't there? Maybe you could oh. start giving me trivia questions on Wednesdays. It doesn't make it any less work. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. And feel free to email me if you have any questions or comments.
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.